All right, welcome to the new era of the Dragzine podcast where we are now doing video as well as audio. And if you're going to do something like this, you got to go big the first time out of the gate. And what's bigger than Donald Long and his wife, Stephanie? What's going on, guys? What's going on, player? How are you doing, Brian? Doing good, doing good. It's uh, good to actually see you guys. I was only able to make it to the February race this year, and then, you know, uh, some disease happened or something, and we had to, like, stay in place. I don't know. I, we we kind of ended up with this. So it, it's good to actually see you guys once again. Good to see you, man. 2020 has been a little brutal, man. It's been hard on us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, in the event industry, you guys especially, it's it's people don't understand what it's like to try to put on an event with people, do they? Not at all. No, I mean, we slid in some stuff there, you know, with the, the COVID-8 and the Magic 8, just because we wanted to uh, to make sure we kept drag racing going the best we could. And we had talked it over with Eric Dillard at ProLine and a couple of things like that. And, you know, obviously, if nobody's racing, nobody's breaking parts. And we needed to get out there and get some people racing again. Yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of weird thing in the industry is, like, the engine shop guys were, like, starving while transmission shops and, like, fuel tech and people like that we're getting inundated because these racers had all of this extra money that they earmarked to go racing. They don't know what to do with, you know, we're not good at saving money. We're like, I got $3,000. I'm going to buy this new widget. And that's exactly what they did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I tell you this right now, um, you know, companies like um, that sell, you know, even products like, you know, UPR and TRZ and teams, those guys are uh, strange that, I mean, they're just selling, selling, selling. It's funny how many parts, um, that they are selling right now even. It's it's crazy. They're that, having um, a hard time keeping up with the online sales is what we heard because yeah. everybody's just, they are sitting around and they have time to just get on there and, and purchase. Have time to make poor financial decisions. Yes. So, so kind of going off of this, you know, what's been your take so far on the world of radio racing in 2020 this year, guys? You know, with, with everything that's still happened, you know, what, what do you think of the performances we've seen? I mean, honestly, they're these. I mean, these guys are running good. For it's like the it, yes, the, some of the big events got canceled. But if you look at like these private test sessions and stuff going on, that's where a lot of uh, like the, some of the tracks actually did very well on a lot of private tests because if you know you couldn't have but ten people on a property or twenty people on a property, but they were uh, steady going out there, you know, keeping plenty of social distancing, but uh, they're renting and tracking. They're still testing. They're still going faster and faster. So when they did get a chance to get out there, uh, you know, they actually had some very good performances um, between, you know, if you just, I mean, all over the place, honestly, now. But if you look at, um, you know, even the October deal, you know, we had 10 or 12 days of carnage there of, you know, people blowing up something. But uh, they actually went ran fairly well, considering um, they didn't actually get a whole bunch of big events. Yeah, that, that's what's weird is that, you know, we, we rolled out the Project Evil car at the NMRA finals and then brought it to your races. And we found out firsthand that when you don't have time to shake something down fully, the Carnage Monster is an ugly monster with big teeth and it hurts. Yeah, yeah it's, it, uh, it can be brutal. <laughs> And, you know, Stephanie, something I wanted to kind of hit you up on, because you, we, you talked about this at the it Lights Out at various times when we were interviewing you and talking to racers and whatnot. The ladies this year in racing have stepped up big, you know, at all levels. I mean, you look at Erica Enders, even at the NHRA. She's bad. 
Like that is one person they're saying, who would you not want to race in pro stock? All the racers, you know, they're kind of like, eh, I don't know about her. She's rough. Definitely. We have so many upcoming women. The, the women racers are everywhere now. It's not just hit or miss. You know, we have Melanie Salemi, who's right up there running radio versus the world with the big dogs. And I would, I wouldn't want to go up against her on a 315. Um, and I know some of the guys, you know, they look at it and they go, wow, you know, what, look at that, that car and look at the performance that she has and what she's doing. Um, I think she just won one of the race, uh, big races in Orlando, second year in a row. Um, you know, you got Leah. Leah Ox, um, who's kind of gone back and forth. She's um, also part of Carolina No Time. Um, and then you have Georgina Buckley. Uh, she missed out at Lights Out. We're going to have her back at No Mercy, though, with the Yellow Mustang. Um, Heidi Carlisle, she runs with um, Radio vs. the World. Jennifer Rice, uh, Brooke Rice, she runs with um, Pro 275 now um, with her Orange Mustang. It's just, it, the list just keeps getting bigger, and it's amazing. And it gives me chills just thinking about all the, the women that are coming in in the radio world. Drag racing is the most diverse motorsport there is across the board front to back and i will i will die on that hill if anybody wants to argue because you go to any race any week anywhere bracket race it doesn't matter you will see people from every walk of life ethnicity nationality money background absolutely what was crazy was i was at the mel's race out of vegas mm -hmm. the amount of female racers that were there that like that kind of caught my eye. Like, man, you usually don't see like this amount across all classes, and they were doing well. And it, it's a very, very cool thing to see. It's like when I go to the drag strip, I rarely ever feel out of place with anybody that's there, and it seems like everybody else is just we're all there having fun. I think the women are are not as intimidated anymore because they are seeing more and more women coming out so that means that they're stepping in because they're not i don't think they're as intimidated as being an all-male sport anymore no. so I think that's why we're seeing more women the kind of pit off of that you mentioned a few of the people running in radio versus the world and that class we've seen a lot of interesting changes and in kind of what's going on you know in your perspective donald what's the current state of radio versus the world you know the participation levels kind of all over the place at times is it, it, has it become too much money? Is it outgrown itself? You know, what do you think is going on with it now? Well, I think that no matter what, when you get to a certain, um, a certain level, which radio versus the world is, um, you know, you got to almost compare it to, you know, a funny car or a top fuel type deal. Um, here's my take on it. I don't really think you have to have 32 and 50 car fields in RVW for the fans to have a great time watching it. I mean, to me, you know, if we get, 18, 19, 20 entries, um, a 16 car field of RVW, you know, even eight car fields of RVW have really, to me, it, you know, it's like we did the Magic 8 or the COVID 8, and it didn't really matter, you know, if we have 16 or 23, but yeah, obviously the money, you know, you have, you know, it's more of a professional type, um, you know, that's a very, very professional um <laughs> class i mean you have to really know what you're doing or you have to be willing to spend a bunch of money to run that class so a lot of people have eased back to pro 275 um but 
I think that the whether you're in purchase anybody or RVW, you're gonna find out that the um, the the level that everybody's at is gonna be. I mean, it's still gonna be a professional level, either class. I buy that for a dollar. Like that, that, like like you said, even at a twelve or sixteen car field, people seem to like that they forget back in the days of drag racing, what was match racing? You had quick, I remember growing up, quick 16 fields of like, at the time, I guess to be pro mod cars or door cars and stuff like that. And that was the ooh and off factor. It was the fastest car on the property. Not everybody could do it, but those guys would come in. But guess what? When they called quick 16 of the water box, everybody was running to the fence to see it. And I think you could be right there. And, and, and here's the deal. If you have eight, I mean, you look at you look at the big dog races and stuff like that, where, you know, even the pro mods, you know, eight car fields, it doesn't matter. If you have Stevie Jackson and you have Alex Laughlin or, you know, you have Marcus Burt or you have J.R. Gray, um, it doesn't matter. Those those eight, 10, 12, 16 people are going to draw. It's just going to it's just going to be a big draw. It's just the way that it is, you know, and I mean. Here's the thing. When I left the button, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you look at last night's deal. Um, you know, J.R. Gray was on the on the top of the roof, you know, sliding around over there. So you're going to have those guys that where, yeah, Pro 275 is cool. It's an awesome class. I love it. But you're still going to have, you know, when somebody calls RBW, they're going to drop their hot dogs, their Cokes, whatever they got to do, shove the baby strollers out of the way. They're coming in there to find out what's going on. You know what I mean? That's just the way that things are going to be no matter what. That's how our VIP people in the tent know when RBW is coming up. It's yeah, because it, all of a sudden everybody just yeah, leaves the it, tent. There'll <laughs> be zero people. You could have 100 people in there getting food. They call Radio versus the world, the tent's empty. That's just the way it is. It is. Yeah, and that, that's because it, it's going to play into my next question is, you know, the alleged death of Outlaw 10.5 used to be the Outlaw 10.5 freak show. You know, what, what's your take on Outlaw 10.5 kind of allegedly dying off or whatnot? You know, is that something that Duck, the, Duck well, Nostradamus saw coming well, or what, what do you think? Well, here, here's the deal with that. Um, they made a couple mistakes, a couple bad mistakes. Uh, and even the racers had called me at the time. They said, you know, what do you think about, you know, Cecil's changing the rules are going to allow in a radial tire. And I told them, do not do it. You guys, you know, as much as I like to pick on them and play around with them, um, 10-5 is a good, a good fun class, but you have to keep it 10-5. You know, why would you allow, you know, I'm not trying to beat up on it. I'm just saying, why would you allow in a, a more dominant tire you, you had Outlaw 10.5, you have a 33.10.5W. Let those guys have a great time, uh, keep running that deal. And it would still be going today. Um, once they allowed in the radial tire, which I, I don't even know why, except for maybe to try to prove me wrong, why would we even do that? You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't – I don't even know how to explain it. But anyway, they called Outlaw 10.5 for a reason. They should have stuck with a 33.10.5. Um, I think it's obviously it's too late to go back now because I think also people find out and it's just the it's just the way of a racer. You put on a tire, you go faster. You don't want to go backwards. You, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, it it kind of sucks because I think it was a great class, even though I harassed them, you know, about the slick tires and all that. Um, it was a great class. But, you know, I'm happy to also see – Pro 275, you know, come in there. Um, they're going to start running Pro 275. I think everybody's going to have a wonderful time, you know, playing around with Pro 275. So, I don't – you know, it's been around for a long time, but everything has its ups and downs. And, you know, maybe it's not a bad thing. You know, maybe it's time – I think it's a lot safer on a radial tire than on a slick is. So, I mean, I, I really um, 
I don't really see a problem with it. I think that they should have never allowed a radio in there. Though. They were just talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that kind of – I always wondered about that. And, you know, especially we, – we, like you said, when you see the writing on the wall and, you, you know – it's like watching the movie Titanic. You know the damn boat's going to hit the iceberg. You know this is going to happen, kids. <laughs> yeah. Yet we still drove the boat into the iceberg. Yeah, it, and I don't it like, get it. Yeah, whoever, that captain was drunk or whatever when they allowed that radio in. Just like driving that boat. It was kind of, it was a, but, you know, and then people when they want to call and blame me. Oh, you killed Outlaw 10-5. But Outlaw 10-5. They all have its own little class. Like, you can still run Outlaw 10-5 today and have a great little deal. The pro Let me tell you the problem with it. Outlaw 10-5 was ran at one track. That's the problem with it. So, Mo Hall and, and Brian Chen and, and all these guys, they want to come down and play in South Georgia or Orlando or Braden or wherever they want to go to. And the problem is if you don't really have anywhere else to run that class – it's kind of probably better for these guys that want to travel to be able to have another class anyway. Now with pro 275, they can go run pretty much anywhere in the country. Yeah, that's true. And it's, that, that kind of leads into the, uh, to the next question we talked about in the pre-call with pro 275, man, it's that, that class has taken off like wildfire. And I kind of myself saw, as you were kind of introducing it, I'm like, this is going to be something interesting here because this is going to take a lot of guys and it's going to humble them quickly but at the same time you i hate to say it, you, you got to keep the chains on the beast because then it's going to turn into a radio versus the world and you know the twenty hundred thirty two dollar question is are you going to try to keep it under control with chassis and not let it completely turn into a crazy budget class well i'll i'll still um so okay a couple points to this question i i want to answer so we're very clear point away okay Radio versus the world didn't get out of control because of the chassis. Let me just, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to lay this out here for you. It got out of control because of four, five, 6,000 horsepower. Okay. The chassis. Okay. Maybe the car doesn't go down the track every pass, or maybe instead of a 50 or 51, they go 52 or 53. Okay. It's, it's not really, that huge of a difference the actual chassis part of it it's really not the tire the tire kept getting better from mickey thompson and you keep allowing more power and more power and more power you know if you take a, a pro mod chassis or you take a regular whatever they want to call them and put them out there and you both have 1500 horsepower those cars are going to be within one number of each other guaranteed but Obviously, the more power and the more power. And don't get me wrong, there is, there is a little bit of an advantage depending on track conditions. If the track is completely perfect, I don't think it matters. When it's not, and I'm not saying they would go 50 flat, but they would definitely be within a couple numbers of that, okay? But the tires being good and the horsepower, I've always said it. If, if you keep making more, look at the turbos. You know, back in the day, you make 1,500. Now you make 5,500. You know what I mean? So there's a difference. So I don't really blame everything on the chassis. I'm hoping with Pro 2, that being said, I want all the cars to look like real cars in Pro 275, okay? Um, but here's the, here's the thing that it's not a simple thing, okay? Everybody says, oh, no Pro Mod, no Pro Mod this, no Pro Mod that. Okay. Well, what do you consider a pro mod, okay? A pro mod to me has always been the elite all-out car, supposedly, 
big tires on it, wheelie bars, whatever. I don't actually consider – I think you take the baddest pro mod in the country, the baddest one. Give me the baddest one that there is, and I bet you I can put a car next to it with no wheelie bars on a street tire, a radial tire, and my radial tire car will outrun the baddest pro mod in the country. If you give me the best track on the right lane, give them the best track they want on the left lane, the radial. So is it really a pro modification? Like, is that the pro mod? What are you calling a pro mod? You see what I'm saying? Is it just the body? Is it the chassis? Are you saying wheelie bars? Like, what What do you consider a pro mod, I guess, is my, would be my question to everybody. What's a pro mod to you? Pro mod to me is a car that never came off an assembly line. You know, if you graft a VIN tagged car onto a safe chassis and you add some frame rails and kind of like the way that we've built cars before and some of these cars are built and they look like real cars, then yes. That to me is not your like a pro mod like you'd see running like in the PDRA or something like that. It's got a, a not a stretched wheelbase. Um, a certain percentage of the car shouldn't be a composite material. It needs to be, it needs to be steel. But if you had the same chassis, like take Stevie Jackson, because he has a long wheelbase car. Okay. He told me he can take his same body, pull it, rip it completely off, take a steel body car and stick it right on top of his, on top of his frame that they have. So if it has a complete steel body on top of it, is it a pro mod then or is it not a pro mod? You see what I'm saying? It's not, it's just not easy. People want me to say, get rid of the pro mods. Pro 275 is going to be this great thing. Okay. If oh, somebody the- wants to bring a steel body pro mod, basically plus or minus one inch, two inches, whatever you want to say, it's still going to be the same car. It's just going to look like a real car. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, it's a, it's a tricky slope. People don't understand that it is not like for this level of racing, it is not a black or white kind of cut deal. It's not a simple thing. People, people, people want me to get rid of the pro mods. Okay. Well, me, a pro mod, you know, a, to me, a pro mod looking deal like Scotty G's car. Okay. The tire up inside the top of the wheel. Well, you know, all that, but I'm just saying they go straight back to this. They go, okay, well, you know that um, to have it, uh, certified to get my SFI certification. I got to have this frame rail, that frame rail. That's the way it always starts, Brian. It's the same, same crap with all the racers, all the chassis guys. It's the same deal. It's like back in the day, stock suspension, but they have 14 holes on the rear end house. Well, that's not stock suspension. Stock suspension to me, the original hole that came in the car in the front, you can beef it up. You can't move the location of it. And on the rear end housing, same thing. Stock rear end housing. Once you go to Fab Nines and 14 holes and, and you look at McCamus and he's got sliding four-length brackets and four, 42 million adjustable spots, well, obviously that's not stock suspension anymore. I want to know where some of these guys got these stock suspension Mustangs that had all those adjustable extra holes in them and stuff like that. <laughs> what, what, yeah. Was that a dealership option? How did you get I, that, man? I never saw it. You know, I keep hearing the same thing. It was the same deal with Brad Edwards. Everybody wants a stock suspension deal and a 100-pound weight break, but they got a full pro-mod floater rear end in the car, but they want a 100-pound weight break. If you ever want to make a class racer that isn't a class that has, like, certain, like, suspension rules get really kind of antsy and itchy real quick, 
ask him, hey, you mind if I take a look under there, maybe take a couple pictures for an article? Those guys freak out in a hurry. Trust me. Oh, I had a deal where somebody sent me some pictures. Next thing I know, Bruder Brothers was going to sue the guy for coming in the shop, taking a picture of the suspension underneath the car. So, I mean, it's just – it's crazy stuff, man. It, it really is. I mean, I yes, do I want Pro 275 to all look – I'm hoping – I want them to look all like real cars, yes. I'm hoping that maybe one day we're going to actually have a tire, which I talk to Proline all the time. And I'm not just throwing Proline, but – I talked to Patrick Barnhill, to uh, to Steve Petty. I talked to everybody. Does this tire have a limit? Because that's what I'm looking for, Brian. I want that tire. And they're telling me, you know, there are certain points in a racetrack that tire does have a limit at this point. So what I'm hoping is, is that, you know, we get the weights close. You know what I mean? Get the cars obviously looking as good as we can, like stock appearing cars. And then hopefully let that tire hold that thing back between the 16 and 330. And I, I think we're going to have a good class, Brian, I think four or five years of some very good 30, 40, 50, 60 car fields of Pro 275. Everybody's pumped up about it. Um, I thought RBW would have been gone two or three years ago. Uh, you know, I did, a, I did an interview. Um, I forget her name. I can't think. Of, um, I, can't, I did an interview four or five years ago talking about how Pro 275 would be at the top right and RBW would be down within a year or two. And honestly, RBW has really gone against everything I thought. And it has really kept up there because I think people, they want to know, like, man, these crazy guys in this RBW deal. And now Pro 275 is right behind them. And it's, they're both great clients. You know, to your point about finding the limit of the tire, and again, this is like drag racing nerd. When you pay attention to a lot of stuff when you're really into racing. And when I was talking with Mark Mickey about, you know, making the switch to Pro 275, and one of the things he said is, man, this tire is kicking our ass between certain spots on the track. And I was like, oh, really? So I happened to go out and watch a session of Pro 275, and you could see, man, all oh, they're going to be on a pass, then all of a sudden just rips the tire off randomly. And it's that that knife edge of trying to balance that horsepower on that tire that is not easy. Well, and that was – I mean, you remember back in the day, and this was a little bit um, before Sweetheart's time and the thing, but you remember back where the BF Goodrich stuff, you know. And with the BFG, you know, that's what we – I think we had that deal where there was that limit. You know what I mean? And it's like since Mickey Thompson's come out with all these great tires – we haven't really found these limits, like what you're talking about, you know. So with the 275, I it, it is finicky. It's a lot more finicky. And I'm hoping, man, if we could just keep it, if we could keep that thing 69, 70, 71, and that range and slower, Brian, I think we could have an awesome class for the next four or five years. But we can't, we can't start seeing them go – like right over you, the world, you just know, off. bottom 60s or something yeah. like that, because that's not going to really work out for what we're trying to do. You know, you just kind of maybe think of another interesting question. You're looking at this, you know, you talked about that previous interview. It kind of predicted the future a little bit more. And now you're talking about Pro 275 and the future of it. What do you think the general future of radio racing is going to be across the board with all these classes? You know, because you got X275 cars now that can literally qualify for LDR, which is interesting and terrifying <laughs> at the same time. I mean, wh where do you see this train going, man? I, 
I think that they, um, I can't think of a word. And um, they need your, their own identity, I guess. Like each class, like I think radio versus the world, you're going to have 40s and 50s, okay? I think with Pro 275, you need the high 60s and 70s. Um, the problem is that they got is the LDR and the X275 and all that. They got to make sure that there's there's some numbers separating. We, we don't need every class Stacking to run this. Right. We don't, we don't need every class to run the same number. You know what I'm saying? We don't want every class to go 470, 470, 470, 470. 470. We need different, different classes. And with that comes, you know, different amounts of money that these racers are spending. You know, Ultra Street now, you look at it, they're going 450s. I mean, that's pretty freaking fast, man. I mean, I had a pro mod back in the day. Don't tell anybody. But that thing only went 440s and 450s. You know, with a 600-inch motor, these guys are out there with small blocks and stuff, and they're and you know, or, or a big block with one kit. Like, it's it's crazy how fast. And, and that goes again, you know, take out the – and another thing is like uh, – and he doesn't get enough credit, but – Joe Rivera from Pro Torque, he actually is the one in 2010 that actually spun this thing upside down. You know, when they came out there racing 2010, 2011, you know, all these lockup converters and, and all this different stuff started coming about. I mean, you start looking at the mile per hour difference, you know, they're starting to actually be able to put down all this power and all that. So, I mean, I think that, again, the, the technology too, Ryan, is, is really putting us, you know, putting us down there how fast these guys are going. Rules need to be tight so each class can have their own identity. I own identity. I think each class needs their own identity, man. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, like you said, it's technology and racers are some of the craftiest people on earth that they will look at a set of rules and they'll be like, well, how can I manipulate this? Where, where's like Stephanie? Be that Stephanie's little graph graph earlier. That 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 spot right there. That 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 right there should be the hand signal for shenanigans with racers right there. They go for yeah. And, and, and honestly, Brian, not to beat up on them, but that gets that wears us out really bad. I mean, that makes me sometimes not want to keep promoting because they won't do what's in the best interest of the sport. Like we're the principals. Okay. And they're like the teenager that has to go try out new drugs or new whatever. They won't do the right thing. Not all of them, but you have some that they just, no matter what, you can't get it through their head that in the best interest of the class and the best interest of the sport, not to do it. And it, it really, it wears on me bad. It really, it really does. It's very frustrating. And then when you try to do the right thing, Brian, that's when then I look like, you know, the a-hole, keeping it PG-13. You know, that's that's when I look like the bad person. You know, we look like the bad people because we're trying to do what we know is right. Me. Right. Well, they she, come to me. Yeah, she, to me. <laughs> she plays the, the good cop, and I'm the bad cop. But and – and I might say something about Pro 275 real quick. And, and I don't mind – like, I'm not trying to say I'm the end-all, be-all. But what I am saying is if anybody's going to use our Pro 275 rules, then they need to use them to the very – the right down to whatever we decide to do okay if word not they need, they need to they need to call it something else right they need to come up with their own thing call it extreme call it whatever they want to but for us in the amount of time and effort that we put into it if there's going to be a record et mile per hour whatever it is we want to know that we can go on there and, and keep it you know uniform we don't want to know okay hey pro 275 yeah they went up to uh, whatever they went up to cecil and they went this fast they went down to Braden and they went to orlando 
wherever they go to, we just want to make sure we don't care about anybody using Pro 275 or RBW. We just want them to follow the rules. And if something needs to be changed, they can't all make the hard – they can't all do the hard decisions, Brian. They can't all – they got too many friends. They got too many people sponsoring stuff. Nobody wants to go in and do the hard decision. I have to, I have to be that person that looks like I'm the, I'm the idiot. I'm the guy that they want to come beat up. But I'm okay with that because it needs to be done to keep it in line. So I just want to say, anybody watching this, more than welcome to use anything. Please follow it down to the letter, though. So we can trust whatever those are running, the numbers that come to us are accurate. So the rules can stay accurate. Yes. Well, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, as rule makers, you know, let's use, you know, a lot of people don't realize John Sears is actually only 22 years old, but promoting X275 has cost him to age that much. 70 more years. But, but, (laughs) but all joking aside, John's got a tough job trying to wrangle that monster. And, you know, take for that example that someone says they're having an X275 race, they use an X275 rules. And he says, man, I got to drop the hammer on this combo because these guys are way out there. Well, guess what? Someone not using the generally accepted accounting principle rules of X275 has now completely screwed the pooch on the whole class. Absolutely. And I always feel bad for John when that happens. John John has a tough job. And sometimes he's another one that he, he knows the right thing to do. But he gets scared sometimes because he doesn't want to hurt feelings. But And then when he does do the right thing, then you got another track that goes, well, we're going to do X275, but we're going to change this, this, and this, and this. Then it's not X275 anymore. You understand what I'm saying? They shouldn't use X275. Like, John's put however much time in X275. These guys, and no offense to track owners and stuff, but a lot of these guys – they just – they open up the thing. They want to use RBW. They want to use Pro 275. They want to use X275. But then when it comes down to it, they got friends. And here's the thing, man. All these racers, and I know because I get them all the time, this guy calls up. Well, by the time you get up the phone, you're wanting to change the rules for them. And it's not the right thing to do. These guys that call up these track owners and get them to change rules and, you know, they start feeling bad for people. You can't do that. You, what's right is right. We have that under control. If you're going to open up your track, you're going to call it something run by our rules or don't do it. Make up your own stuff. But you can't, you can't hurt 40 other racers because you got a friend over here that he's so slow, he's slower than a snail with a limp, but you want to help him out. And you yeah, just can't, you, know you how can't to separate do that. that friendship and yeah. what's the best and, interest for the sport. And if any sponsor ever calls me up and says anything about changing the rules for sponsorship, they can just go ahead and have that check overnighted right back to them because we're not playing that game either. No, you got to keep it fair. And, you know, kind of off of that as well, you know, your, your DXP street class, or as we might have to call it the Martin Conley Memorial class, because he pretty much has taken that class over. But, but, and you know what? It's because that, that team, those guys work hard. But, you know, we can cover that in a little bit more. But, you know, what are your feelings on that so far? Are you satisfied where that class has gone? You, well, know, you no, have to I'm tweak not, it? Not. I'm not satisfied at all. And I'm be honest with you. I hate blaming the COVID for everything, but like I was just so pumped up about this DXP street, right? I went out there, boom, I had everything going, everything. And then after that race, I wanted to be able to take a look at everything, figure out what I needed to do to be able to keep this thing a little bit slower than what it was going. And right after we left there, Brian, boom, COVID hit. And 
once we – it was very tough for me. I don't like canceling or postponing anything, no matter what. You know, the, the officials came in, you know, had the mayor involved and all that stuff, and they wanted us to cancel that Sweet 16. Well, after the, the postponing the Sweet 16 deal, all the COVID deals going on, everybody's freaking out. And honestly, I just I, – I had to blame it on myself for not – getting out there and really doing what I wanted to. Like, I have a great idea for DXB Street. I honestly do for what I want to do. And I'll go ahead and lay it out to you right now. And I, and I may still do this before the next race. So before people go out and buy tech cards, I would like personally, because I don't like where it's at, okay, I want to slow it down. I would like for everybody to rule stay exactly the same, but I want to have it where it is a um, – Right off the of summit or right out of Jags, a Holly 600 back carburetor put on it. I want that's the that's the only thing you can run. This part number, a Holly 600 back carburetor. I think that that may put me where I want it to et wise, and for people who built some exotic deal more than what I wanted, and they have these extra horsepower, I think that that will take it back to where I want it to go to. Now they might not like it, whatever. But I would like to see an all-out car and then on a 600-back carburetor, I would like to see what the difference is in that and how much it slows it down. Because I need that class to have its own identity, and I want to see that thing run like more like 520s is what I'm looking for. Oh, yeah. It, the concept is a great idea for sure. But, again, it rolls back to drag racers being big, dumb animals that want to go as fast as possible, and they will find a way to somehow – taught rules makers and you know like you said it's a bad interesting problem to have when those guys lit up the boards like that yeah what i mean what do you think if we took away the car if they had to run a out of the box 600 vacuum secondary carburetor how much power will it take away i am not an expert in that area but considering how much I know can be done to a carburetor in that area with that kind of setup and engine. That's uh that's going to put a divot in the, uh, divot in the fairway on what they can do. <laughs> I would like to see it. I really think, and they're not very much money, you know, I like to have some stock ones there and then, you know, and I want to get this to a certain point. I had some people at the car show asking about it. They're like, man, we want to run this class, but we already see it. It seems like it's got out of hand. I'm thinking about coming out here real soon, uh, swapping that deal, leaving it just like it is, but with a 600 back carburetor, cannot be touched, modified, anything. It has to be just like it came out of the box, you know, and I would like to see what they would run, you know, and if it slows it back down to 520s or whatever, then I – 530. I don't know. I like I to don't see think it. the intention of the class was to go as fast as well. No, but they all, they what all. what you're saying, even but, though they all want to be that person. But I think that you still, you, I think if you take the fuel away from it, I think we can still get it back mm -hmm. to where, you know, where we, where we might want to be. I'm fixing to go over that deal. There are probably some unhappy people, but I really do want to try it at one race with a 600 back carburetor. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd commit to running like three races or something with it. That way no one's buying a $300 carburetor. But I really think that it would help out the, the slower teams. You used to always joke when I would help with uh, Nitro RC car races that if people aren't bitching about what we're doing online, then we're not doing it right. One That's way or another, like – 
people like are always going to complain. That's just a natural fact. And if they ain't complaining, they ain't paying attention. So, you know, we, we can kind of roll that into something a little bit here that I just want to know from my own personal level, when are we going to see the old school Donald Linko gym videos? We need to see those once again. <clears throat> okay. So, <laughs> all right. So I've been thinking about this a lot because I don't know if you, if you've noticed over the years, we would do a whole bunch. Okay. And then at certain times we would stop for a while and then we'd come back because I didn't want it to be the same, the same, the same, the same to where people get tired of it. It's funny that you say this because I had just got with Lenko about, mm, do you ever remember watching the ORTC Jeopardy videos or no? I don't remember those now. I just okay. remember the first so, one I ever watched was just, it's Linko time. I'm like, oh, this guy seems like he's serious. I want to watch this. <laughs> hey, listen, there are some fun times doing those too. And I'd love to get back into it. And I, so anyway, the Jeopardy board, we'd have, uh, it, it was crazy. Like all the categories. If you get a chance, go just Google it, the ORTC Jeopardy. And uh, so you'd have all the Jeopardy. We'd have all the categories up on the top and all that kind of jazz. And it was always this awesome, you know, of course, it was always just off the wall stuff. But the last question was always something that would get us in some serious trouble. I mean, like, it's some shit you don't even want to talk about, right? So I would hit my buzzer, you know, because we had it set up with the easy button. So I'd hit my easy button thing. And I'd be like, what is? And then that would be the end of the show each time, right? <laughs> to keep us from getting, like, really in trouble. And uh, so it was awesome, man. But I would uh, – I just called him about resetting up the uh, – setting up our thing for it. So I, it, you, you may see some stuff coming up. Oh, it'd be, it out, it'd be outstanding. It's like it, – it reminds me so much of, like, the old school WWF promos where it's just, like – it's just, it's there. There is no compromise. It's like, it's, it's entertainment. And what I think, you know, Linko needs to start his own YouTube channel where, you know, you have those guys that like go to random places and they just, they ask people questions, you know, <laughs> he just needs to go and he needs to, it, to take it to the next level. He needs to take Chevelle Rob with him and they need to oh go, they need to just go ask people questions. Like, that is like million hit YouTube videos because you just want to see what, like, not only what they are going to say, how are normal people going to interact with these two? Yeah, it, listen, Jimmy's very good. You know, when he would do that uh, from the hip, you know, we do that from the hip with Linko, Jim. And uh, he was really, it was really fun times, man. It really, it, it, I'll tell you the real problem is that everybody has real lives now. You know, that's the problem. You know, Jimmy mowing two or 300 yards a week. He's got two gyms, you know, uh, fitness gyms that are opened up. You know, I'm over here in Madeira. It, it's, just, it's just so much to be able to, to put it together and take the time to go do everything. And we always talk about how much money it, that we could probably really make if we didn't have real lives. You know what I mean? If we, if we just went out doing the stuff that you're talking about – how awesome and fun that it would be, though. Yeah, that, that, that whole YouTube thing, man. The, the, there's so much entertaining content that you guys could terrorize the general public with, not just racers, just the general public that people would watch. It would be amazing. And it, it, it's funny, you know, whenever we have Linko help out on 
the live feed interview stuff, it's always like, you know, you say a small prayer, like, all right, hopefully yeah. he, hopefully he's going to behave. Hopefully. You never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I really would. I really want, I really want Linko to do, if we didn't have so much other stuff going on at the race and I could have Linko just doing the interviews, I think that we could definitely help produce something that is just off the chart. You know what I mean? Good. Um, you know, I'd love to go do them myself too. have Linko do some, because there's things that me and him know about, like we'd be calling out all this bull crap that they come up with, you know, these racers and all this, all this stuff, the back, the, the scene behind the scenes stuff, it would be phenomenal for us to go, which the problem is, is that nobody else really knows about it. That's working with the camera. So they won't just go in there, you know, after Stevie Jackson or, or David Reese or, or whoever, like there's so many things that we know that it would it, to call them out on. Well, it. that's why at COVID eight and at Magic Eight, it was really nice because we could use Linko, and he was the main guy. He was the main interviewer, and yeah. and he was he was behind them at in the staging lanes in the pits after every, and it was perfect. It, it was it was really entertaining. I don't yeah. know if you got to see or watch any of it from COVID and Magic, but it was it was phenomenal. What's funny is a lot of people don't realize what it's like when you've got to do those interviews in different capacities, especially when it's live. Like yeah. a lot of the stuff I did, it lights out. I'd never done anything like that before. And you do this live and it's like, you never quite know what direction stuff's going to go. And like, you got to roll with it. And the thing is that I talked with a few of the NHRA guys about this and I asked for some advice about doing on camera stuff. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, have fun. But always remember to be professional no matter what happens. Enter Marcus Burt, and I go to interview him, and he busts <laughs> out that 600 cubic inch nitrous engine stuff and all this. And I'm interviewing him, and I'm like, just keep it professional, Brian. Don't just let him go with it. Just let him go with it. I'm like, you know what? Just we'll have fun. We'll let it go. Put it up online. About a month or so later, I'm getting messages from friends say, man, people are busting your balls about this. I'm like, what? I go, you know, on, on Facebook, on social media, and people are like, look at this idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just letting Marcus go. And I'm like, that, that's, that's the point. You know, it's not a good interview when I go, you're a liar. That turns out horrible, right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got to play it back and forth. For them. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, – it is funny because I did hear stuff like that too. They're, they're like – they're like, yeah, the guy didn't even know what size this was or that was. And I'm like, man, these people are just out of their minds, man. So, yeah. Roll with it, go with it. I'm like, yeah, that's it. yeah, cool, cool in the converter with nitrous. That sounds like the next big thing, dude. Right on. <laughs> it, oh, it's all about entertaining. And, you know, that that's something that, you know, we, we can now kind of, I think, go into more of the, the unscripted fun question portion here. And as we – COVID has really, I think, changed a lot of industries. And I think in the drag racing industry, it's pointed something out. We need to focus back on the entertainment side of things for the fans, not only for what they watch online, but in person. You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Is that something we need to ramp up again and make it more of a traveling show of fun? That's what I think. So. That's, what, that's what we think, you know. People are um, too serious and their lives have been put on hold for so long. They need some sort of real entertainment and fun back into their lives because everything's so rigid. 
I, I mean, I've always liked the entertainment part of it, and I've always had fun, um, you know, doing the entertainment part of it. And I just – I feel like sometimes that the, some of the shows, like, that we do get so big, and it just – I don't know, it takes the fun out of it for me sometimes. You know, I want to – I want to have it where, you know, yes, I think that we do need to ramp up, you know, on the, on the good times, you know, and the fun besides the drag racing part of it, like the last deal, you know, like for the kids and stuff, like she did a whole thing for all the, the trick or treats and all the Halloween thing and all the Halloween costume stuff. Linda Rowe had, uh, had it all set up. Even the racers had their rigs all done up in Halloween. They were even, the racers were dressed up in costume so that I could think, I, I thought I'd have what, 20, 30 kids. I think there was 100, 150 kids out there in costumes. Yeah, I'm was... handing out money and awards and, and different things. And, it, and, and the parents that were out there participating with their children, it, it made me right then and there know that I don't care how busy I get at Lights Out. I don't care what happens. There's going to be, we're bringing that back. We're going to have something else because yeah. it, it needs to be there. Yeah. I mean, I used to love the, the, um, you know, all of the little races that we did with big all the, the, um, the big wheel big races wheel. and all that kind of stuff, you know, and we had a lot of fun with all that. The other thing that I, I think is also at, at larger events that is completely unutilized, there's actually two things and they play hand in hand, is a t-shirt cannon or a wireless microphone to give away free stuff. Because you look at like what Jason Logan does <laughs> with the NHRA and kind of like how he gives stuff away or even up, seen it up at the World Cup before with Fabian and like when they had some big downtime, they'd have people doing like these crazy races and everything else. It's about finding a way to entertain the people I think that are there that they don't see the tractors. They want to see what this idiot's going to do to get a free t-shirt. You know, and, and Brian Loans actually came up with some other stuff and, and he really has hit the nail on the head. I think also I, I'm tired of this whole tractor deal. You know what I'm saying? I think we need to have a certain amount of time, however many minutes, five minutes, six minutes, and that's it. You know what I mean? I, don't, I, I think people will get sick and tired. Yeah, you want to see the awesome numbers and all that deal, but we got to find a happy medium in there somewhere. You know, I, you know, all this deal where I don't want to sit around for 30, 40 minutes in between classes and stuff like that. You know, I want to get something going on. I want to get rid of some of the tractor stuff. I, I really do. I know all these guys, everybody wants to – try to set they, they set new world records and all that. But honestly, we need to slow down on some of that deal and let these fans see more cars going on the racetrack. If only someone invented a race where it was only a limited amount of cars and they got all these hits and the track was, oh, wait, that's a sweet 16. Yeah. <laughs> that is the event where that's expected. Right. Right. Where you could bring, where you know you could load up the big load. But I think what what you just said there is one of the reasons why, like I hear on my end why people say, well, I don't like radio racing because of the, the, the you know, this, that, and the other. Well, I, th- you know what? I don't see a negative there. I see a positive. I see forcing tuners and racers to learn how to deal with adverse conditions to get these cars down the track and you remove a certain level of that dependency on horsepower. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree a thousand percent. The problem is, is that you get some of these racers and they're so hell bent on, they have to, Oh, we're going to, we got to go down the track. Oh, they're not doing all what's wrong with the track. They want to get online, start beating everybody up. All the tracks, not right. This, that, and then you get into all that whole 
drama on Facebook and all this crap. You know, when honestly, that's what they should be racing. Give them a good, them a good track. Don't get me wrong. Make it nice and safe. Make it a good track, but not. You know, there's too many racers and too many crybabies out there. Honest to God, that if it's not just this perfect track condition, then they want to get on there and start bitching about everything, dude. And it's just, it's ridiculous. Everybody man. becomes it's a ridiculous. track professional. Yeah, oh, everybody's a everybody, track everybody's a track professional. It's funny because you know, up around here, up north, you know, in Ohio and the Midwest, a lot of times we used to not get the best radio prep for. A, like a weekly or monthly, you know, monthly series. So we had to learn how to get down a junk track, which is awesome when you go to a big event and there might, the track might not be there. Cause guess what? We're going to go to A to B. The flip side of that is when you go to a big event and the track's awesome. You're like, I don't know how much I can turn this thing up. You, you kind of run into an issue where you, you don't know how to necessarily like to deal with it. But I think it would be very interesting to see how some of these, high-paid tuners and racers, how they would deal with not having the best track all the time. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, these guys take stuff to the next level. But honestly, is that really the all-out tuner? Or would the tuner be a guy that's got to get down a mediocre track? You know what I'm saying? I mean, some guy can just throw every bit of power that they can to it because the track is that perfect. Well, hell, give me the laptop. I could probably do that. You know what I'm saying? But give them something to where you actually have to work, to work for it a little bit, you know. And I'm not saying make it any kind of junk deal. I'm just saying I don't think these guys have to have 30 minutes worth of prep to send eight cars down. It seems to be ridiculous at this point. Realistic and reasonable prep where yeah. if, if you know how to get a car down the track, you're going to get it down the track, but you're not going to be able to, you know, turn it to 11 and rip the knob off. Right. I mean, the Sweet 16, yeah, that's great. You know, with 30 minutes in, everybody go to the VIP tent, get something to eat. Okay, we're track prepped up. We're ready to go. You know what I mean? That's fine. But when you have four, five, six, ten thousand people in the stands, they shouldn't have to wait 30, 35 minutes worth of the tractor going up and down so we can send eight mm -hmm. cars down the racetrack. That's through, ridiculous. You can't get through 350 cars. No. Which a lot of times that's what you've got when you have an event that size is 350, 375 cars. And you can't put that much time in between because then you're never going to get – then that's when they start complaining because they're not getting qualified. And then it just kind of trickles like a domino effect all the way. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's amazing, you know – I get to go to so many different events and you see how different events go and how they shove cars down the track. And like you said, track prep can really like knock that rhythm down. What's crazy is, you know, out at, at the four wide tracks where they have the slick tire and the radial prep lanes. That's wild because literally the only downtime is when the track crew's got to wander over to the other set of lanes and they flip it over there and they load the lane, you know, load those lanes up with cars and then I think if we if we could take out some of the track prep egos out of this deal that things would get a lot better but the problem is we got the internet so everybody has this ego that they have to have everybody has to try to go for the record see you can't just have a good race like why can't we just have a race where every radio versus the world car goes 360, 361, 362, 363, you know, or, or, or whatever the class would be. We don't have to go 352, 351, 350 every time, every race out there. You know what I mean? I mean, 
I used to go all the time. All I was worried about was trying to go as fast as the guy that was in front of me, you know, or the guy beside me or whatever. It didn't matter if I was setting new world records. These guys want to go out there, and every time they want to go out there, their personal best. And then when it doesn't happen, they want to go on the Internet and bash everybody because it didn't happen. Kind of changing directions a little bit. You know, we're all about having fun on the Dragzine podcast, and it's all about the guests. It's all about what you guys have to say because no one could give – two hoots about my stupid I stories. About I care about I you. Care about you baby. I appreciate that. I feel that. I feel that right here in my, in my, in my heart. Right there? Right here. Right here. Okay. And Not that lower. No, no, no. That's just that's, right here. Just, just right here. Okay, I got you. Now, I, it's always fun to hear stories. I'm going to put you guys on the spot. We'll start with you, Stephanie. You, you, you've been around this for a little while. You know, we can redact. I thought that's where he was going too. We we we, we can we can we can redact names to a certain point. Any drag racing event, DX, it could be any event. What is the one thing you see where it's like, that's kind of wild? It could be something on the track. It could be a spectator doing something crazy. I mean, what's something where you just you literally stop and you what? You'd stop the conversation. You go, whoa, what's going on over here? You know, there's a lot of things. There really is, but the, the one thing that really, really gets me, and, and I think that's why I came up with the contest in Halloween, at Halloween, the toe tapper contest, and I call them the toe tappers, or, or, or whatever, the liner uppers. I don't need, they don't even have a name, but they're out there, and they're just tapping their feet on that glue, and I'm like, dude, we just prepped the track. You're taking all the glue and putting it on your shoe, you know? It, 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 see them and and that's why they got the, they're the toe tappers they're out there tap dancing in the middle of the, in the middle of the track lining everybody up and and i know they do it and they have their own reasons but i'm telling you it stops me in mid-sentence when I, because some of the motions that they do like some of them get it all down in there and then they're tapping their i mean i can't even i couldn't even demonstrate some of the stuff that you see it, it, there's a lot out there that makes me stop but that right there, I, I'm telling you, every race, and it's not just ours. It's all the, even the, you know, the no time races we've gone to, um, you know, any of them. It, mm -hmm. it, it's comical. It is. And, and they're all the, like, the, button, the button pushes are good too. Button bro. pushes are good too. I mean, so, have you oh, seen the stretch on some of them guys? They're all like, I mean, woo. they can, that car can be in the first beam or it can be actually about 10 foot back, it seems like. And that guy must be like Stretch Armstrong because he's got, <laughs> he got like, he's, there's some technique behind that button pushing. I'm just telling you. Right? You know, I, I, I don't know. I've, that has to be the top. And then when they get stuck in the glue because of their toe tapping too much and then they're losing their shoes or losing their socks. All right, Brian's trying to talk. You know, go ahead. That's, that's got to be. She won't ever it. be quiet. Just go ahead and keep I, going. I, you know, again, it, it's funny being on the, the media side of things, you know, I crew too, and you're on that side of things. And I see the same things where people do the, the starting line, these strange rituals. And I'm like, I, I get it. But it's like, at the same time, it's like, that, that that's, that's a lot of wasted effort. Yeah. And you, like you said, the, the guys that, that are turning on the, the cars, that, you know, turn on the, the data computers. I've seen some of those dudes, I'm worried for their safety because yeah. they're waiting till like the last sec. I'm like, dude, you're not even supposed to be touching the car once it's in the beams. But, oh, but, I, but I see them as the guy's going up on the tranny brake. The guy's going to reach in there with the butt. Yeah, I'm like, man, if, if something bad happens here and, you know, you get your, 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 your wristwatch stuck on a wing strut, that dude lets go of the button, 
They're going to be calling you. Time. They're going to be calling you one hand Timmy. It's not going to be good. It's going to be all hands on deck. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Same question for you, Donald. What are some things or one thing where you're just like? Well, I have to be in a different situation because when when I'm in the tower, I'm I want to be a perfectionist when it comes to trying to have these people run the race. So I'm going to go with it just drives me completely freaking out of control is how you can have a machine that's not been used the entire day. That's supposed to be completely full of fuel and stuff, but we can't make it 300 foot down the racetrack before it runs out of propane or diesel or gas to get down to the problem. You know what I mean? Like, if you have an oil down at 300 foot and the Zamboni can only make it 200 feet before it runs out of propane on something that's supposed to be completely full, that, it, to me, like, that's the ultimate thing for me is to watch it. Like, I was at a Mockley one time, and we – the guy – the guy flips over, right? Here comes the ambulance. The ambulance makes it about 150 foot before it shuts off and the guy has to get out and outrun the ambulance to get to the thing. So you let it sit. I understand you're supposed to let them sit there and run, but if you let something sit there and run so much to where there's absolutely no fuel in it, it's not going to do any good when it comes time to go get the guy. Let me assure you of that. You have defeated the purpose, sir. You have defeated the purpose. That's right. I mean, the epic fail was when the guy had to grab his bag out of the out of the ambulance and run over to the guy because the ambulance was out of gas out there. So, to me, I you know, believe me, I've seen the the racers with some crazy things. But for me, I'm always trying to keep the track stuff running the whole time. So for me, it's like my most important thing is to make sure everything is full. But you know, I've already seen it happen at several different places where we – I mean, you can have a, I don't know, 30-gallon propane tank on the back of it, and we can't make it 300 feet down to the bottom. I, I worry about his health sometimes during these situations because I, I, he looks like he's going to stroke out. He's about ready to go through the glass of the tower at these – he, he is. Fun, fun fact, when you're, like, watching the live feed – and the mics are hot, you can hear the meltdowns happening in the background. I always wondered if you could. <laughs> oh, you, you can hear them. And what's funny is, you know, on Flow Racing, I was watching some dirt track racing. It was like a small dirt track in Indiana. And the race control guy is in the booth along with, you know, the announcers. They were right there. And the announcers are talking about, you know, so-and-so just did this. And, you know, they got a caution out. And you hear the race controller that's, you know, on the – on the racers in the cars radios, the only people he goes, "Come on, guys, it's really not that hard." Like he's yeah. these guys. That, that's me. Up that, in the that is well. If he said it, can hear us. Man. Yeah, you, you you can. Some of the things sometimes, if you're paying enough attention, you'll hear it in the background. You'll go, "Oh, like you know, someone's in trouble at school." <laughs> and if you really well, want to, hear, if you want to hear some good stuff too, if you watch NHRA TV, their deal. There is some stuff that definitely slips through that the top end mic is hot. People are using words that rhyme with duck and truck, and they don't realize that it's like, yeah, yeah, man, that was a a lucky run, let me tell you. And it's 
you might not be able to hear it over the PA, but I'm sitting here typing away on my work, and I'm like, what did they just say? Like, <laughs> one of those head turners. I can guarantee you the hot mics in my tower definitely are yeah. not good, because yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, there's some stuff that happens that I just want to... And, and Bobby Bennett's just slowly getting lower as he yeah. types. Yeah. Well, he, oh, just eases, he just eases down. down. He's got his own computer screen that he takes from the front, and he just hides behind it. He's got his headphones screen. on, but I don't think he's got – I think he's really listening, but he pretends like he's got his headphones on the whole time. He, he just doesn't want to have to be a witness in a court case or something like that, you know. It's, I'm telling It does get serious in there it, 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 that's, that's another side of the, 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 uh, the racing side of things that would, again, make it a great reality TV show that people just don't see all of these different facets – of everything that happens. We've had, we've had animals. Uh, uh, Brian Lones has the greatest story. His first time ever announcing for us. He's in there, you know, he's Mr. Professional. And we've got four dogs coming in the tower, like five kids building towers with boxes. And he's just like, what is going on? Okay. <laughs> you know, because it, it is. And then, and then you've got, we got him yelling down at the other end. and. But, yeah, we got kids underneath it. Like, we have a picture of Brian. He's with three other guys in HRA. They're all in their suits. Everybody's dressed up. They're on the mic. He couldn't make the race, so I sent him a picture of us. We got three dogs, two cats. We got the glitter competition going on. There was on. one time a glitter thing going on. There's and glitter it, everywhere. Lee uh, shirtless drinking whiskey, yelling yeah, through the mic. I mean, they, that was listen. They, that those, was priceless. I can't. There's there was uh, we had uh, two announcers that we can't mention their names. No. But we had these two announcers, right? And so they thought the one of those deals were not the mic was hot, but the camera was hot. So and we're on the way home from the Sweet Sixteen, right? This was a couple years back. Yeah. Anyway, they got the Jack Daniels or whatever, and they got it. They're pouring it right in right front of the camera, the cam and they're like, right. they're just kind of like this in front of the camera, backing out. I was laughing so hard, we, we almost to, crashed we the truck. We had to pull around the side of the road, was, so we was, could watch it about five times. It was so funny. It was good. I, I can tell you that some of the things when I've helped produce the live broadcast, when you get to see all the camera angles and you see things that they're not getting recorded, it's just being shown through the camera where it's like, oh, that's bad. Like, <laughs> do, do, not, do not go to that camera. And I'm not saying it's just like stuff on the starting line, stuff the scaffold camera catches, like spectators to where we're like, do not go to six, do not go to six. <laughs> races he's primarily talking about oh oh no no there is stuff that happens at every race and there's stuff that i have pictures of from different races well, that's what we should be showing that's what we need to see that'll that's bring the entertainment back value yeah. right up into it it's just some of those things where it's like borderline is is there a felony happening what what's going <laughs> what's really going on here and there, I have a lot of pictures where I could make some great memes and capture this pictures of people in the industry where people would hate me forever. Oh, we, I have one. I got to talk about it off air, but we have a guy that I had tons of photos of because he's coming up doing something with a car, but he's more hanging out with the, the girl in the, uh, in the water box. Oh yeah. So I was taking these, Real straight up pictures, and then I text them to him and be like, "Hey, bro, what's going on, man?" And uh, so yeah, we have some real awesome stuff that goes on too that we catch from up there. 
yeah things from the tower that people don't realize either no the, the, the eye in the sky as we used the to call it during sky. football the eye in the sky definitely my, my dad used to say you know if we screwed up football and he was a coach you say the eye in the sky don't lie kids and that's like oh <laughs> it, it reminds you that you're always on camera somewhere and that you know you you, you learn that you keep your finger away from the nose and regions and things like that. And if you're eating, people are going to get pictures of that. It's just, it's brutal. Sleeping too on the job. I'm going to tell you this though, back to that whole, uh, like the mic deal, the hot mic, open mic deal. That's really the worst because I just go out of control. And next thing I know, I have some people text me and go, Hey man, that mic's hot. <laughs> and then I'll look over. I'm like, you got your mic? No, that's off. There. Oh yeah, that was on. Go to flip it up. I'm like, well, it's a little too late now. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Well, Donald Stephanie, our time here is coming to a close on the Dragzine podcast, and I appreciate you coming down. You guys get to be my first guests on video that thank all your sponsors and tell people where to find you at. So I'll allow you now to become your channel, your inner John Force, and who to thank, where to thank, and where you can find you at, what's going on. So the floor is yours. At racedxp.com, you'll find your classes, your rules. You'll find all the feeding from Facebook feeds right to it. So you can even click and get onto our Facebook site, DuckX Productions. Vote.com uh, forward slash DuckX Productions is where you can get all of your tickets and pre-purchase your tech cards racers. We need to do that. And the payouts. Don't forget about the payouts. Oh, we have the payouts on there. Payouts are on there. All cash money handed right there in the winner's circle for the, the winner. Well, basically, though, really, they, you know, obviously my Facebook, Duck X Productions Facebook, but Race TXP has everything that they're looking for. Absolutely. Um, as far as, you know, current uh, up-to-date rules and uh, all the sponsors are on there. I I start thinking sponsors, but there's we'd too be, there's too many too good, many to there's too many good people we'd out be, we'd there. We'd have to so. somebody. So if um, I leave somebody sponsors. off, the thing if I say something, then I'll leave somebody off. Then I'll be in big. We're just gonna say all sponsors sponsors in general. <laughs> we couldn't be doing what we do without them and without people like you, Brian. And to learn more about it, they can go to those pages and then they can click on the sponsors and go buy their wares, right? Yeah, and, and here's the deal. When you go there, you know, it has a, a, what they call them, hyperlinks, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. So when you click on it, it goes straight to their website. And um, obviously, these people have been with us for a long time, most of them. So, and we do appreciate everything they do because it, I can tell you right now, if they weren't helping us with it, we would have already been done a long time ago. So, you know, thank goodness they all come on there to help us out. And then, you know, the inner racer support, you know, thank all those guys. I mean, they've been very, very loyal, you know, for a long time now. And so, you know, it's awesome to have. There's, there's, some, there's some shady individuals, but 99% of them are great. So the racers are awesome but, for sure. But bottom line, it's simple. RaceDXP.com gives you everything. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you for being my, my crash test dummies on this new era of the Dragzine podcast. No, nothing, nothing exploded. Nobody died. We made it through. It's great. It's awesome. Love to have you guys back on again in the future and uh, have wonderful holidays and look forward to seeing you at the track in 2021. Merry Christmas, big Merry dog. Christmas.